Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to the show. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hello there. So it's once again 4th of July weekend. Woohoo! Boy, it seems like this came up really fast this year, it too. Did. But uh, oh, yeah. As you say, every year that goes by, it comes up faster. We're going to be giving you a clip show this week where we've got a number of different things from the past year, or actually the past two years, that were kind of fun to look back at. And as this being a holiday weekend, it's a good time to sit down and, you know, look at some of the things that we've done and reflect upon stuff and all the rest of that. Uh, well, what are you guys doing for 4th of July this year? Just hanging out or barbecue or? Uh, well, we're going to barbecue and I think we might be able to gather and check out the fireworks, but I'm not sure what they're actually going to do. Yeah, that's the same thing here. I'm not 100% sure either. Yeah, you know, we record a couple of days ahead, so we better figure that out. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I know a lot of places aren't doing fireworks just cost and with the fire danger. Yeah. With yeah. the drought everywhere, you know, so... uh but the barbecue is still a good idea to do. It's a good time to get together with friends. I know up here in Oregon, we're actually supposed to be having some really pleasant weather, 70s, that kind of thing. Just, uh, you know, good good weekend to kick back and that type of stuff. And I was going to have my yard done for a 4th of July get-together. I might actually work on that this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, looking back at some of the different segments we've had, it's kind of fun to see the different things that have happened in the past and the different things that we have done. And we've got a couple of good interviews. So that's kind of our focus this week is to look at some of the different things. And one of the first ones actually goes back three years now. Really? So a uh, <laughs> different time uh, before COVID and all of that kind of stuff. And then some of the other ones through that. So it's really weird to think, you know, this is our fourth season of 2.0 and our 10th year of user-friendly and <laughs> a lot of good material out there. So with no further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Got a guest with us this week, Larry Sharp. Larry, welcome to the show. Bill, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, that's boring. You don't want that, do you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I am someone who has seen entrepreneurship as a way for people to grow, as a way to get around the system, as a way to give people a second chance. And man, technology is the way for the entrepreneur to get around the big boys usually. Sometimes that's not true, but man, it is often. And with me running for office in the past, being sometimes a political activist, I have very often talked about we have to create a playing field where the little guy can knock down the Goliaths, not just trying to knock down Goliaths because you knock down one Goliath, another one pops up, but creating a world where the little guys can pop up and a whole bunch of Davids can knock down a bunch of Goliaths. So I think that's kind of who I am when it comes to um caring about entrepreneurship and technology. And you know, that is one big thing about the internet that it allows everybody access and has really changed things over the years. Now, I know we're going to talk a little bit about social media and the regulations that yep. go along with that. And the internet has long since been a place without a lot of regulation, but um, I think we're heading a little bit more in that direction. So tell us a little bit about social media and the related regulations. Yeah, the issue that we have with social media is, as as most great technologies are, and internet and social media are great technologies, is that they're a double-edged sword, right? You you have the idea that, hey, now more people can say stuff. That's wonderful. But then you have a, a problem where there's so much stuff out there that people now are overwhelmed. 
So you have one or two types of people. One, someone who will go down a deep, dark rabbit hole and literally lose their entire weekend and forget to shower because they're so busy going down a deep hole watching YouTube videos and Facebook videos and and Twitter and going down every possible hole they can go down. Or the reverse. Someone was like, this is just too much. I'm going to check out. And whatever my talking head tells me is what I'm going to believe. So the problem is those two, right? And this has been our issue. When you have those two, now what winds up happening? Well, the big conglomerates have to figure out how to make money. I'm not mad at them for making money. I like making money. I hope everybody makes money. But they've decided that how do I make money is by keeping eyeballs. And so how do you keep eyeballs in a world that's full of information? By curating it. Curating the information is the key. The question is, how do you curate it? Well, you curate it by giving people exactly what they want. Well, if you give people exactly what they want, that doesn't allow people to see other stuff. They keep saying this, seeing the same stuff. When that begins to happen, you bring people to go down rabbit holes or to actually check out. So I think that's been one of our biggest issues. And the regulations were put in to support the little guy. And well, I'm sorry, theoretically, to support the little guy. Right. And I think that's a good idea. But in reality now, you're finding it to where the conglomerates are controlling everything. And, you know, when you get into regulation, you kind of have a fine line. You have to have enough to make it work properly and be workable and, and the reality be there. And you're not getting fake news and all this other stuff. But on the same token, you don't want to go too far on that because then you start, as you say, locking out the little guy. So how is that being handled? But no, no. I think you want to allow for fake news. Okay. And I know that may sound like counterintuitive, but here's the problem. Who decides what's fake? Yeah, and that's That's true. why That's I actually think, very true. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. want to allow for fake news. And the problem is we're not. We're actually not. And the re- and what I mean by that is the system is set up so that you just get your news. And to you, none of your news is fake news. Your news is the real news. Right. It's the other guy's news that's the fake news. So we do want to allow for fake news. That's important. But what we also want to allow for is transparency. And that's what we don't have. We don't have transparency in who's giving the news. We don't have transparency in who's paying for the news. We don't have transparency on what else is out there. That's the issue is transparency, not the, not the news itself. You know, and that's a very interesting thing you bring up is the who's paying for the news. And this is a question yes. we get from our listeners all the time because the idea, at least there is some idea that the news is unbiased. And I, I've talked about the fact that, well, you have sponsors. And you want to mm-hmm. sell to those sponsors, and you don't want to necessarily give news that's going to turn off your audience. So how do you deal with something like that? Because y- you do have these two kind of things that are controlling and would definitely regulate what's being heard. Yes. And I think what you do is, I, I get it. You want to have a niche market so that you know who to sell to. That makes total sense. Any marketer would agree with that, right? So if I can get my niche market in, I can sell to them. But imagine if instead of having just one niche market, you actually could have on any given channel or station or whatever, many different markets together, but you could still make money based upon the individual market. My example is Netflix. Netflix gets lots of people to give it money, but you can go on Netflix and watch the most cheesiest rom-com ever and the biggest, bloodiest action movie ever and some foreign movie that you enjoy. And some fantasy movie. You can watch all different types of things, but they know which where you fit and they can still sell to you in a way that gives you something. The problem is our old model is still 
everyone who watches this channel must be X. Everyone who watches this channel must be Y. The model has to change. And I think the Hulus and the Netflixes and the Disney Plus of the world are showing that's the appropriate model where you can still make money, but still give people other options to see other things. And more importantly, to know other things are out there. The problem is when I believe that only my view is out there, the other view becomes crazy. The other view becomes nutty. The other view becomes inhuman. I can I can dehumanize them or it. It's not real. It's dumb. It's fake news. But if I see it in my feed every once in a while, I go, oh, maybe I'll click on that. And at least even if I disagree, there's still people and we can have a conversation. One thing that has happened since we've gotten on the internet from original media is the ability to do targeted advertising. Some yes. of what you're talking about there is you would turn on the TV and the advertising that went out went out to everybody. Now the ability is there to be able to lock that down and present to specific audience, kind of like what you're talking about. Do you think this yep. is a good thing or a bad thing? And does it affect the news that you see? It does. And it's never going away. It's irrelevant if it's a good or a bad thing. It's never going away. You're never going to get people to not want to target their ads, right? We want to Marketing is all about efficiency. That's what it's about. Operations is about effectiveness. Marketing is about efficiency. That's what it's about. They're always going to want to do that. All I'm saying is show them a better market. Show them a way to where the big group can make multiple. If you go to most like new cable news channels, there's really only one group of people you can sell to. But again, I'll go back to the Netflix, the Hulus of the world, right? HBO Max, whatever. There's lots of people who are on all of those platforms. That's the motto of the future. And I think it is happening. The old school is going away. Groups like Facebook and YouTube, they have to learn. Stop pushing people away. And they are. And what's happening? Other groups are popping up, right? You push X group away, they start their own thing. Well, their thing isn't as popular as YouTube or as popular as Google. Yeah, that's true. But in their own world, it is. And now you're losing them as potential customers. Create a home for even the people who you think are fake you'll have a better outcome. You know, that totally makes sense. Larry, that's our time. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. If you guys want anything more about me, please check out my podcast, The Sharp Way, or you can check me out at LarrySharp.com. Okay, that's LarrySharp.com, and we'll have that out on our social media at One User Friendly. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Got an interesting discussion topic. A lot of you have asked questions about these things, and we decided it was time to kind of focus on this and see what there actually is. And what I'm talking about is the idea of life imitating art in the realm of science fiction. Now, we've seen this in the past with smartphones, flip phones come from Star Trek. There's all kinds of different things like that. In the original Star Trek series, we had floppy disks something that wouldn't mm -hmm. be in general production for another about 30 years. Mm -hmm. We have interesting things that played into this. Some of the tech that we've seen in older movies a lot were determined by what was going on in politics and stuff at the time. So yeah. you're dealing with situations where an outside influence might cause you to be able to present or not present something that you would have come up with. So there's been a lot going on with that. And here we are in 2022. And let's talk about some of the stuff that we're going to see or that exists in a prototype fashion or is maybe even on the market in some ways that you might not think is a real thing. First item on that list is cloaking technology. 
So this wow. idea of cloaking mm-hmm. technology or invisibility has been a highly coveted superpower in the realms of science fiction and fantasy. Aliens yes. from distant galaxies, powerful wizards, and humble hobbits have used the ability to be invisible in some form or another. <laughs> Something that you only see in the movies? Well, not so much anymore. Scientists have been working on this technology for a while, and it is actually a real thing. It's out there. They have material. The military's had it for about 15 years, from what I can see in one way or another. Is this like the stealth plane, or is it different? It's different. It's like the stealth human. Oh, <laughs> It gets okay. a little bit creepy. So some of the items that are out there, there's an invisibility cloak that, as you put it on, is able to put the light around you. Now, there's a much better explanation of that that I can't go into in the time we have. But it looks almost demonic in a way. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that you cloak should've... you showed us was pretty bad. Yeah, so. um, I, I'm, I'm thinking that would really make somebody's Halloween. So check out the cloak. <laughs> take a look at our social media because we're going to be posting it with this week's show to show you kind of what's going on here. But basically where this comes from is in the early 2000s, a team of researchers from the University of Tokyo created an optical camouflage system that makes anyone wearing a unique reflective material seem to disappear. So that's where this comes from, and that's how long it's been around. A smaller, albeit fictional, version of the technology was used in Mission Impossible's Ghost Protocol, and it's starting Hmm. to not be so fictional. And the interesting thing about this is not only does it make what its surroundings seem to disappear, there is a little bit of a a kind of, I don't know, a, a wave to it, I guess would be the thing, uh, that I would call it almost like the, what was it from Star Trek Deep Space Nine? They could shroud. And oh, yeah, the Jepidar. Jepidar. Yeah. It, it has that kind of a feeling to it in a way. But it not only blocks the visual ability to see the object behind it, but also the heat signature. That's so in, fascinating. So in other words, if you wrap this around a human and go into a place that uses infrared technology for security or things like opening the door, that wouldn't work. It wouldn't be able to see you. If you wrap it around a vehicle, you wouldn't be able to see the vehicle on infrared at all. Wow. So these things do exist. It's out there. It's even available on a civilian level to some extent. Hmm. But definitely something that uh, is very unique and has good and maybe some not so good applications. Yeah, I keep thinking Harry Potter and, you know, them wandering through the castle, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's just. And the way that the technology looks so far is you can still tell that there's something there. So something mm-hmm. would look not quite right would be the best way to put it, but you certainly can't see what it is. And uh, it, it definitely is something that we're headed in that direction. And the fact that you can't see it at all on infrared spectrum and all that kind of a thing is really very interesting for military applications, among other things. Really need hmm. to use the force to pick up on this person. Yep, you you do, and it's, it's out there. <laughs> so taking this a step further in the field of robotics, we're starting to see a lot of that type of thing come to life. We've talked about 2022 being the year of the robotics. CES also presented it that way, and I think that we're definitely seeing that. Now, robotics as a science, of course, has been around for a very long time. We've had it going back to the 50s and 60s and even before that, but more in the civilian era from that generation forward. In our house today, you might have a robotic vacuum. A lot of restaurants are using robotic chefs. These type of things exist. My brother and his family went down to Disneyland and went to a sushi shop over the holidays where all the delivery of the sushis were done by robots. That is so cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah these, no, these things definitely exist. 
But when you take it a step further into science fiction and start getting into some of the things that we see out there, like Iron Man and whatnot, mm-hmm. yeah, we're starting to see these things come on the market. One thing is an exoskeleton. And yeah. these type of technologies are very much in proof of concept format, some in retail. From a civilian standpoint, a lot of different things application-wise come from it. The medical industry being one for someone that may not be able to walk or have some kind of a disability to like that, it can enhance their ability to be able to get around that and function in a more normal way. So quality of life, that type of a thing. Other stuff in commercial production, industrial production, for being able to assist with things like loading trucks or moving mm-hmm. around a warehouse, heavy objects, that type of a thing. And these kind of technologies are not on the drawing board. They are out there. If you do a quick search on the internet, you'll find some of them. Yeah, like watching the Boston Dynamics dogs or robots. Yeah, the the the, the human shaped robots and the dogs, and the, they're doing their dances and jumping around the and room, backflips, yeah, and all kinds of crazy things. Very very um, natural motion. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's definitely. Incredible to see how lifelike these systems can be. And when you apply AI and some of these other technologies, it is very lifelike. Hmm. You know, so going down the road with this type of thing, are we going to have a droid in our home eventually? Well, Amazon thinks so. In fact, they're selling one. You can pre register for them. It's a thousand bucks. It's Alexa Droid. And she'll follow you around the house and do a number of different things. And when I first saw the application of that technology, I'm thinking, what would this really do? And some of the ideas that are being thought of, and not always by Amazon, are actually quite incredible. The- so, I, now, does, can she go up the stairs? We talked about this before. Yeah, she does not have the ability to go up the stairs yet. And that type of a thing is something that I think we're going to see. The other technology they're coming out with is a security drone that flies oh. around your house and has the ability to see different things and you can put it around, but it also does not go up the stairs yet either. So stairs seems to be a little bit of a problematic point for this type of technology, but I don't think it's going to be very long in that kind of a situation. Eventually, you'll either you know have a way that she can climb the stairs in a robot body or just simply have another droid that helps her so- up. I mean, who knows where that's going to go. Yeah, so I can have a Sith probe droid floating around my house following me around. If you have a Sith probe droid following you around your house, I'm not coming over for coffee. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it'd be cool, but, you know, I don't these know. These are just the beginnings of this. We're almost out of time, but the other technology that we see in a lot of sci-fi is jetpacks. Yeah. And this type of technology is out there. In fact, you can learn how to do it as a civilian. There's a company in Los Angeles that actually offers training for this stuff. It's expensive. But it is actually out there, jetpackaviation.com. I'll give them a plug on that. But it's kind of fun to be able to see where that's going. I think we're going to see this coming down the road, too. And there's so many more, but we're out of time. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we endeavor to give you some answers. How do you send us your questions? You know, you ask that every week and it's a good question. 503-766-6264. That's our phone number, 24-7. Give us a call. One User-Friendly on Facebook or Twitter or UserFriendlyNation.com is our website. 
What questions do we have this week? Can you install Chrome desktop extensions on mobile? Listener question that came in. So what this is specifically referring to is if you have the Chrome browser on your PC or Mac, there's a way to install extensions. These are things like ad blockers and various other things. So the Chrome browser on mobile, it would seem like that would do the same thing, but it doesn't. No, you cannot support install Chrome extensions on the Chrome browser on mobile. It simply doesn't support it. However, there is a workaround. If you're wanting to do something like an ad blocker or something of that nature, there's a number of other browsers that run on Android. One of them, mm. and one that I've used a little bit, is called Kiwi, K-I-W-I. And in that, you have a button that will allow you to actually use the Chrome extensions natively. They plug in, and it actually works pretty well. Firefox is another browser that will run on mobile. And there's a number of others out there, but there are ways to work around this, and that is the way to do it. Just make sure if you look at an alternate browser, you're looking at one that has good ratings and check all of that out because you don't want to accidentally get something on there that might have another goal, let's just say. <laughs> yeah. Is it true Legend of Zelda sold for $870,000? Yeah, that's a lot of money for a Nintendo game. Yeah, uh -huh. it is. I, I, and I like that game, but it's still a lot of money for a Nintendo game. We're actually going to talk about this in the next section in some more detail on what's going on and, and some different things like that. But yes, just the short answer to this, it is true. This just happened. Legend of Zelda, the first one for the original 8-bit Nintendo, sold for $870,000. Hmm. Are electric vehicles more prone to fire than gas? So I did a little poking around on this because this has been in the headlines lately that they've been having some trouble with this. The short answer to this is from all of the information I can find is I don't think it is. Uh, you can have fires in a gasoline-based vehicle, and you can have fires in a battery-based vehicles, one being more prone to it than the other. The difference here actually being, though, is the way that the firefighters have to fight a fire on an electric vehicle. That is completely different. Yeah, right? I saw an article about uh, how the firefighters are trying to develop new techniques to deal with um, the, the specifically the batteries. Right, right. So some of the things, too, is you have a gas tank and a car that uses gas, and you can have a fire with that. Generally speaking, they don't explode either. That can happen, but it's more Hollywood that that happens. What's more likely that it's going to burn? But in a battery car, when you have the batteries catch fire, for one thing, they're usually distributed throughout the car. They're not just in one spot. And they warm up, and they have chemicals in them that will keep them going for a lot longer. So part of the problem here is the firefighters being able to get to the batteries that are on fire, for one thing, and then having the technique to be able to put that fire out. So it is just, uh, it's a, just a different way of doing it. It's a new problem that this new technology is bringing. How do you find acting work while working at home? A couple of different ways. There is a a uh, website called Backstage that I know I use, and I think you guys use it too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so this is a, this is one of the main ones, and there's actually a couple more out there that are for this type of a thing, but you've got to think about your equipment. You've got to, because you're going to be recording at home if you do this type of thing. There's a lot of opportunities out there. You need to think about your sizzle reel and have all of that kind of stuff set up and have a website or something where that can be accessed. There is a subscription cost for using these services. Backstages, for example, is about 150 a year. You can get 50 bucks off of that on some of their promotions. So you'll mm -hmm. need a budget for it. And then you have to go in and set up a profile and do all of that kind of stuff. But 
it is worth doing. It took me about a day to put everything together, and I've gotten several commercials and some other things out of it. So it's definitely worth the time to do, but it's almost like a form of freelancing for acting. Is it true that Chrome and Edge are the same browser? Yes, and a lot of others are too. Now, strictly speaking, (laughs) Chrome and Edge are not the same browser in the sense that they look and feel very different, but they both run on Chromium, which is the engine that actually makes the thing work. So (laughs) while it may look different, the actual back end, what it's doing and the guts of it are the same. And there's a number of other browsers out here that use the same technology for that too. So you might see this type of a thing across the board where they're sharing technology. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, reporter Steve Mailer. Well, guys, thank you for that intro. Um, I'm having a, a fun meeting today with a very interesting young man who is deeply into photography, and, and he has created some very stunning imagery. His name is Jared Weintraub. Jared, welcome to User-Friendly. Thank you, Steve. Okay, so I was looking at some of your the samples on your Facebook page, and uh, it's it's dazzling. As a as a camera bug myself, I need to know how did you get into photography? When did you get bit by the camera bug? Uh, it really it it came into my life in uh, in eighth grade. My dad um, gave me a, a, a old Canon camera uh, for my graduation gift, and I kind of just like fell in love with it it's uh it, it was not high-end uh quality at all it was a sure entry-level camera um but i just i just kept searching youtube videos and personally i've always been like obsessed with the ocean and surfing and waves so i started out shooting waves and um with a with a zoom lens from the shore um, oh wow okay yeah well, one of the first things i noticed as a camera guy was that some of the images that are on his website are absolutely striking. One of them, he's actually sitting under the curl of a wave. Now, Jared, I know that there's no way you could have gotten that from a telephoto lens from the shoreline. No. So how are you capturing some of these inside wave curls? So I actually have a water housing for my camera. So my camera goes inside it, which makes it waterproof. And um, it's just basically a hard case kind of. Yeah, I've used them myself. Yeah. I've done for some underwater photography I've done or videography, um, I have used a similar housing. So does that does that preclude you from actually looking through the viewfinder or can you do you does it still give you an a representation of the image even in the inside the housing? No, yeah, I actually prefer looking through the viewfinder. Um, okay. Uh but just not when I'm shooting fisheye because it's just too wide and I just yes. hold it up. You mentioned the cameras that you started with, and uh, from some of the photos on your on your Facebook page, you've definitely gone on to higher levels of cameras. I mean, I saw one camera that you had that had a monstrous telephoto lens on it. Yes, is that's t- so that's what you're using now. Yes, my uh, okay Canon 5D Mark IV. The the data format is. Would you say that it's raw or is it? Yeah. Uh, is it a, okay? So it, you are shooting in raw. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Good. Because I know that gives you a lot of latitude yeah, when, when, you're, when you're posting and when you're doing image processing. 
Now, um, when you do image editing, what kind of software are you using? Uh, primarily Lightroom, uh, Photoshop okay. for some things. I don't usually like to, uh, to alter the photos from their natural state too much in Photoshop like adding special mm -hmm. effects and things like that. But um, okay. primarily 70 to 80% of the time, Lightroom. You not only have ocean shots, like wave curls or what have you, I, I but you also do some very beautiful landscape work. Thank you. I think I saw one. I think I saw, I think it was the Grand Canyon, if I'm not mistaken. Was it the uh, Horseshoe Bend? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what it was. All right. I mean, it's just beautiful now because the colors are very rich and you're, you're, the highlights are amazing. So you're not doing a whole lot of modification. That's that's mostly you're kind of leaving what the camera captured. Yes. As, okay. Wow. That, I mean, uh, it's, it's, that specific shot was actually five different shots bracketed to a Wow. You need to explain that process a little bit because that's, uh, I mean, is that when you, are you, are you stitching it together like, like a VR shot? So bracketing is like you take different photos based on the numbers you see in the viewfinder, which is uh, based off like stops of light, so okay. underexposing and overexposing. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so I usually take seven pictures, negative three, negative two, negative one, zero, one, two, three. Um, so it just, it you capture all of the light in the image. Like you capture all of the dark tones, all the mid tones, and all the highlights. And when you merge them together, it creates a much more balanced image as opposed to something with a blown out sky or... Got it. Oh, wow. Yeah. You it's know, I don't think I've ever heard of... And they call that bracketing. Correct. Yes. I don't think I've heard that term before. You know, I love it when I learn something new. Yeah. So that's a composite shot of basically multiple f-stop exposures. Yes. Okay, that's fascinating. Okay, I love that. Now, I've noticed that you've done some, uh, not galleries, but you do like markets where you have your stuff on display and you have a booth and people can come up and purchase things from you. Correct, yeah. Now, you also have a website. What, what is your website where people can see some samples of your work? Uh, JDWphotoart.com. Now, this, the resulting size of some of these images, like what would you say, because you're shooting raw, the, the resolution of these can be immense. Yeah. What's a typical file size of something that you might you might commission or someone might commission from you? Um, probably, well, after post-processing, probably around 15 megabytes. Okay. So I, okay. So that's, it's, a much, it's, a, it's a workable file. If someone needs to print it, for something it, it, that'll safely print up to 24 by 36. All right. No, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's you, you definitely are embarking on a really neat career uh, because the, the images that at least some of the ones that I've seen are absolutely stunning. Thank you. And, uh, and keep up the great work. I mean, I, I always love uh, learning when, old family friends have gotten into photography or the arts of, of some kind yeah. and they're really kind of stretching because that's that's neat it, it it's kind of been interesting to learn that about you and see uh some of the work that you've been doing and and uh just basically how you're kind of building your portfolio thank you yeah awesome so now you're off to college this fall i am i'm uh, i'm going to be a cal poly mustang the what you're studying is going to be business and a minor in photography correct how fitting yeah <laughs> being that that's kind of what you're doing already yeah yeah i really want to um, learn more about the business aspects of yes of that's important. and tie it into my photography because my ultimate goal is to somehow someday get a uh, 
uh, gallery or at least get my work in some galleries and I can totally see that. Yeah, I can see that happening sooner than later, quite frankly. But no, keep yeah, keep up the great work, Jared, and we'll we'll catch up with you. We will definitely catch up with you later. And as um and you know, good luck at college. Uh, It's amazing that you're already in college. Thank you. uh, Because I've I've known you since you were about eight days old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Right. Again, your your website is jdwphotoart.com. Yes, correct. So on jdwphotoart.com, you'll see some really great photography that Jared has done. And you have to remember, this is an 18-year-old kid, but he has some astounding shots of nature and waves and seascapes, urbans, abstracts. He he also has some really neat night starfield shots, which have uh, always have been favorites of, of mine, certainly. These are great images that would very easily and beautifully adorn a living room wall or a man cave, or just a place in your home that needs a really, really neat shot of something that you probably have not seen too frequently. So it's definitely worth checking out. And you you may want to get some of his stuff now before he becomes really, really famous, because this is a young man whose star is certainly on the rise. Well, Jared, as always, it's great catching up with you. Uh, Certainly look forward to seeing what you're doing in the future. Keep up the great work. And uh, thank you so much for being with us here on User Friendly. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, take it away. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Fun to look back at everything, you know, and now I think it's time to look ahead because we actually have some good events coming up. August is going to be a busy month, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, so is September. But, you know, August starts out with Black Hat. It's the 6th to the 11th in Las Vegas, and Chaz has covered us covered that for us every year, and he's going to be doing so again this year. And that one's a good event to see what's going on in security and IT and all the different type of things like that. Black Hat refers to a type of hacker. Uh, that generally uh, causes a lot of problems and chaos. <laughs> and the show, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not its not so much showcasing the hacker, it's, it's how to keep yourself safe with them. But there are some unusual things that are going on there. And then later in the month, we've got two Comic-Cons back-to-back, which we're looking forward to. Emerald City mm-hmm. is the first one. And uh, that's the weekend of the 20th, although it starts the preceding Thursday. And then the following week is Silicon, mm-hmm. which is the 27th to 28th of August. Now, you know, Emerald City is one I always look forward to and will be again this year. We went to it back in December, so uh, it'll be back at its normal time. But the Silicon is not one we've been to. We've been to Silicon Valley Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And since then, it was taken over from Steve Wozniak uh, to the new person that's running it, Jeremy. Adam Savage. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> you know, so it's going to be interesting to see what differences there are. They have actually produced, we just weren't there. So this year will be the first one that we actually get to go to that. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be kind of an old friend, but also kind of new, I think. Right. And then in September, we've been invited to two shows. One of them is the Rose City Comic Con. We've gone to that in the past, love it every year. And the other one is a Comic Con in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm not sure about the one in Vegas. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think that would be a lot of fun, too. I'm not sure exactly where we're at with that, but we'll know in the next couple of weeks and let you know when we do. But, you know, a Las Vegas Comic-Con could be fun. The company that's producing it 
is a little bit smaller than some of the others. They're based in Hawaii. So mm. they do uh, Honolulu Comic Con and then they do um, the one in Las Vegas. And I believe those are their only two shows. So it looks like it could be a really cool one. And down in Las Vegas, you know, everything seems to be a little bit bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it might be fun to get down there and see that. I, I don't know. what What's your preference? I definitely think Rose City will be cooler and temperature wise. Well, if we actually have a choice, I'd rather go to the actual one in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that one's not quite on the. <laughs> I mean, as long I as think... we're choosing. I mean, as long as know. we're choosing. I haven't seen a date for that one yet, but uh, definitely that one will have to be in the car, you know, taking one for the team and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh... <laughs> so you know, that being said, it's going to be interesting to see where we end up. And there's a lot of other stuff later in the fall, too. A lot of the events are coming back. It's good to see everything out there and that we didn't lose a lot because there was really a potential that some of these wouldn't be able to get uh, get going again. So until next week, have a wonderful 4th of July holiday. This is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.